Whoa. Hey, guys. Good morning. I should be used to the lights, but uh, they're bright. My name is Nate Parrish. I'm the creative director here at Resurrection Church, and uh, I'm honored to be able to speak to you today and close out this third chapter of Ephesians. Um, so the video for Junkatique, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, Steve's doing such a great job, you know, because he's invested. And Rachel's like, you should have had me film it. Like, That's true, because uh, half of our house, our, our, our house basically looks like a Junkatique showroom. Uh, there's, she, <laughs> go follow her, go follow her on Instagram. I'm not messing around. She's, here's all the stuff I picked up at Junkatique. I'm like checking our, rapidly checking our bank account. I'm like, do we still have money to, for mortgage this, this month? But it's really a cool place. So, uh, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be in Ephesians three, uh, verses 14 through 21. Give you a little bit time to turn there. So I'm going to go ahead and read this verse to you, and then we're going to jump in. Ephesians 3, verse 14. So this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your, in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Amen. That is actually my uh, wife's favorite verse. Uh, so no pressure uh, for me. But so as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm an artist. Uh, I've been drawing since I was a little kid and I've had the opportunity to, to uh, bring that gifting here and, and do graphic design and, and different things like that. One of my favorite things to do as an artist is to paint something or make something and kind of put it up on the wall and, and and have people look at, hey, what, what, do you, what do you think this, uh, what, what am I trying to communicate through this picture? And most of the time, uh, it's not what I intended necessarily. Uh, <laughs> so I remember doing that one time to my roommate, I'm like, hey, what do you think? He's like, oh yeah, it's about, and he said something crazy. I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> so I definitely have an intention as the uh, artist, the author, I have an intention with, this thing that I've created, but the beauty in, in art is interpretation. We all come into things with our different lenses on, right? Like they're shaped by our experiences or shaped by where we're at in life, our hurts and, and, and different things like that. We bring it to uh, what we observe and, and a lot of times we pull out different meanings. Now, with scripture, obviously there is a, uh, there is a purpose, there's an intention and a truth behind it, but you ever notice that sometimes when you go back and read something that you've read 10 years ago and you, you pull out something different from it because of where you're at in life? It's not necessarily that the author has a different intention. Like he has a, he knows what he's saying, but we pull out different aspects of it based on where we are in life. And I like to think about our walk with God as like we're standing in front of a ginormous painting. And when you, you start off, you're really, really close. You know, you ever get really close to a painting and it's really kind of kind of messy? You know, you see all the little brush strokes and all the little 
texture. And then if you back up, you see a little bit more. And then maybe if you look to the left, you see a bit more of the picture, you look to the right. And I think for, for, for us, the, the closer we get to God, the farther away we step from that painting, you get to see a little bit more, a little more about the height, the depth, the breadth, the length. We never really see the full picture, though, uh, until you know, we're with Christ. We're not going to see everything, but we're going we're to see different pieces of this massive painting that is the fullness of God. So to make this a little personal, where, where I am at currently, where I've been the past couple years, is this search of balance. Um, so much I see lacking in myself and in our culture and even in, in our um, church culture, not specifically here, but in general, is, is that uh, we're as really out of balance. You know, everything is very extreme, right? It's right or left. There's not a lot of you know, centric. We're, we're, we're pulling one to the other. We're getting pushed one way or the other. And for myself, I noticed that in myself. I'm very susceptible to that. The pendulum swing, you know? You, you want to avoid something, so you go so far to the other side that you become like extreme on the other side. And uh, I've been working on this album for a little over a year, and, and I want to read you uh, a part of the lyrics that kind of sum up uh, this theme for me is, I'm searching for synergy to balance my biology, the head and the heart in equal parts. A shift in perspective, keep my thoughts reflective and eyes on the horizon. This is where I've been living the last year or so, this pursuit of balance. Between the head and the heart, the spiritual and the physical, and this is something, that's God has, something that God has been showing me. And if you read this, so I'm going into this, right? So this reading this, uh, this chunk of scripture with this lens on, but I, f- I feel like this is in, in here, ingrained in this scripture where Paul is pleading for the church in Ephesus to be rooted and grounded in love in order to be filled with the fullness of God by comprehending a love that surpasses knowledge. Think about that. It sounds contradictory. He wants you to, hey, I want you to comprehend this, okay? So I'm going to write you a bunch of stuff, and I, I want you to comprehend it, but spoiler alert, it surpasses knowledge. Okay. That sounds hard, Paul. <laughs> this is something I'm passionate about because I have been on both sides of the spectrum in my life. And I know probably a lot of you have been on a different side of that spectrum of head and heart in the search for balance. So in this letter, which is essentially a prayer for the people in Ephesus, he lays out how can we be filled with the fullness of God? How can we be filled with the fullness of God in a world that is pushing us from one side to the other? There's three things. Number one, the head. This has to do with knowledge, theology, and the physical realm. Number two is the heart. This has to do with experience, prayer, and the spiritual. And number three is the church. That's us. That's all the saints. So let's start with number one, the head. All you uh, bookworms are going to love this. Theology matters. Okay? (laughs) Theology matters. Details matter. Knowledge matters. And scripture matters. Okay? 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, 
for correction and for training in righteousness. All scripture, not some scripture. All, he's not saying all scripture except the genealogies, which I'm still figuring out how, how that affects me. <laughs> Every time I'm like, I'm gonna read through the Bible in a year and I get to the genealogies, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just do like a Bible study on worship or something. <laughs> this one's hard. All scripture. Some requires more digging than others. In this prayer, Paul actually starts off with theology, and it's easy to overlook it. When he's, when he's saying, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, okay, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. He's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles because they have come together as a church at this point. So every family is now adopted and named under Christ. There's no longer Jew, there's no longer Gentile, you're one family. According to the riches of his glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit, okay? So he's mentioned father, he's mentioned spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Father, son, spirit. All right there in the prayer. It's easy to look over it. He infuses theology into his prayer. It's such a good coming together of head and heart, right? The physical act of, of kneeling and praying combined with theology. It's awesome. And he tells us that we, we need to comprehend the dimensions of his love. He's like, you, you, you need to understand the breadth, the length, the height, and depth. I want you to understand this, but guess what? It, you need more than knowledge to do so. And there's a crowd um, that, you ever talk to someone that's like, man, I don't, dude, all I need is Jesus. I don't need theology. I just need Jesus. And they do it like that. They go, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. It sounds cool. But I remember having these conversations. I, just, I don't need theology. I don't need all that book stuff. And I just need Jesus. It's like, okay, well, what is it about Jesus that you need? Well, okay, well, I need his love. Okay, that's a good one. Um, I need, you know, his forgiveness. That's tight. I need, uh, you know, he died on a cross and was resurrected. Like, I need that, dude. Okay, what else? I, I need all that. Those sound like theological statements to me. What do you need about Jesus? I need his death, burial, and resurrection. That's theology. It's theology, okay? Read a book. Details matter. <clears throat> so uh, you've seen my wife. She's the lovely lady that sings up here. Now, if I were to describe her and say, well, I just, I love my wife, man. She's, uh, she's awesome. And um, one of my favorite things about her, uh, I don't want to tear up here, but one of my favorite things about her is how tall she is. She's six foot three. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe she's wearing heels from, from Junkatique. Maybe she's, she's so tall. And I love her bold choice of having bright blue hair. It's just, it's just like, look at me, world. My hair's blue. Uh, okay, that doesn't sound like her, but keep going. Well, it's just uh, in her, her skin, just very tan. You could tell she spent a, you could tell she spent a lot of time in the sun. She's golden, golden tan, much like myself. It's just beautiful. At some point, you're gonna be like, hey, I don't think you've met your wife. Because that doesn't sound like her at all. Now, if I wrote her a card, 
for Valentine's Day and said, hey, these are my favorite things about you, and I put that in there, do you think, how, 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 how good do you think that night would go? <laughs> Probably not awesome. You're talking about another very strange-looking woman. This is not me. Details matter. If you think details about your spouse are important, imagine how much more important the details about your Savior are. It's a big deal, okay? So here's why we need theology. Here's why we need the knowledge of God. Number one, studying God helps us appreciate him more. The more you know about God, the more you're gonna appreciate it because it's all good. You're not gonna learn a new aspect of God and be like, ooh, he's selfish? Mm, Makes me like him less. You won't find that. It's all good. Number two, studying God helps us worship him more deeply. The more you know about God, the more you understand, the more you understand how important your worship is. Number three, studying God helps, protect, helps us protect ourselves from lies and distortions about him. At this time, a lot, were, a lot of people were being led astray by the Gnostics. Uh, they had a false gospel and people were falling for it. It's easy to do, especially in this world. Someone claiming Christ. And if we don't do our due diligence, we can be led astray into false teaching. Simply because we don't understand theology. We don't spend the time to, to know details about our God. So we can be led astray. Number four, studying God engages our minds. Creative, problem-solving, imagination, reflection on the things of God. If you study theology, it actually increases your creativity because you understand that God is creative. You learn different aspects about him, and this actually engages your mind. This is awesome. Listen, knowledge is a good thing. Amen? We love it. Knowledge is a good thing but it's not the only thing. If you don't believe me, turn to Revelation 2.4. So we're talking about the same church here. We're talking about the church in Ephesus. And here is John writing to the church in Ephesus in Revelation. So Paul, Paul has, and this is interesting. I looked, I looked this up and I don't know if it's 100% confirmed. I think it's still up for debate, but, but John they mentioned that John actually lived in Ephesus for a long time. So he has even a deeper understanding of this church and, and their struggles. So he writes to them, he writes this letter, and Ephesus has been just killing it in theology, right? <laughs> they're studying, they know their word, they're calling out false teachers, doing all that cool stuff. So they get this letter, and they're reading it. To the angel in the ch- of the church of Ephesus write, These, uh, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Yes, guys, he noticed. He noticed that we've been working really hard. This is going to be good. This is going to be awesome. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. Yes. I hate false teachers, man. We're going to call them out. I can't bear with that evil. But have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Just calling out false teachers. Your theology is bad. Your theology is bad. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Oh, man. He gets it. John gets it. We're really good at this. Let me keep reading. But I have this against you. Oh, what? Is he writing to someone else? No, still us? Okay, bummer. I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, 
and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I like what Paul said better. (laughs) He's essentially saying, like, you guys, you got the head part down. You've you've done really good. You've 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 worked hard. You've you've done all the physical things. You've called out false teachers. You've protected this the flock. Good job. Except you've abandoned the heart. You don't you've lost your first love. This is actually where I found myself a few years ago. Uh, ignoring the heart. Number two, the heart. Even in writing this letter, when Paul kneels to pray for the church in Ephesus because he knows that knowledge has its limitations. That's kind of a scary sentence. That's, you know, if I were to say to you, scripture is great, but it has its limitations. Well, that's, are are you a heretic, Nate? What are you saying? No, what I'm saying is, if you go back up to verse 16, He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So you're going to be strengthened with power through what? Reading? Through this book? No, through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So I can read this, I can read scripture, but if I'm not strengthened with power through his spirit in my inner being, Christ can't dwell in my heart? Huh. Do you think it's possible to know scripture and not know God? Um, you know who knew scripture? <laughs> Satan, <laughs> yeah. He knew scripture. Uh, when, G- when, when he was tempting Jesus, um, he used scripture. Well, throw yourself down. As it's written, the angels will come and tend to you. They'll, they'll save you. He used scripture on Jesus. That's pretty crazy. It's bold. But he knew scripture. Isn't that kind of crazy? It's very possible to know this book and not know God. We have a, a friend that um, spent her life studying the scripture only to become an atheist. So, Where's the disconnect? Well, if you don't have the spirit, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you're not renewed, it is just a book to you. It's just a book. Pages. Pages with with words on them. They don't come to life unless Christ lives in you. In verse 16, he talks about being strengthened through the spirit so that Christ may dwell so that you may be able to comprehend something that surpasses knowledge. How do you comprehend something that surpasses knowledge? You gotta have the spirit. Knowledge and experience, the head and the heart, this is not an either or situation. This is a both and. You ever think if, uh, well, what if God just like did something crazy on earth, like some miracle, and, and then everyone would believe, right? Like he did something like, I don't know, part of the Red Sea. Off the top of my head. If he did that, surely his people wouldn't turn away, right? Because that's a powerful, have you ever seen that? Raise your hand without shame if you've seen the waters part and you've walked through them. 
So I, I haven't uh, yet. But you think, well, if God just did something crazy, people would know that God is real and they would, they would serve him. Like, what if Jesus were to feed 5,000 people with, I don't know, five loaves and, and, and two fish? What if he did something like that? Or uh, he resurrected a person from the dead. Uh, pick a common name, Lazarus. Uh, <laughs> what if he resurrected a guy named Lazarus who was really stinky? For sure, the people around him would not turn away, right? Judas saw this stuff. Yeah, he still betrayed Jesus. It's kind of crazy to think that if you lean too much on this experience, that you could still be led astray. And we were forgetful people, right, humans? We're forgetful. How, how often do we forget the things that God has done in our life? All the time. I, had a, I have a mentor who's like, you need to keep a diary. And I'm like, oh, dudes, don't keep diaries, dude. I'll remember it. I don't remember anything, by the way. So uh, it's a good idea. I'm just going to throw that out there. Write stuff down that God does because you will forget. We're forgetful people. Even, even something that is so crazy, supernatural, we, will, we, we still turn away. It's one thing for God to do something in front of us. It's another thing for him to do something inside of us. We need the head and the heart. We need both, guys. How many of you have um, uh, Facebook? Heard of Facebook? How many of you have, have created your own Facebook account? Yes, okay. Um, Facebook has this thing called Facebook Memories. You know what I'm talking about? Where they, they just rudely bombard you with things you, you did 10 years ago. Hey, remember this? Remember? Remember? And you're like, don't show, what? I don't want to see what my hair looked like in 2009, okay? No, thank you. I don't need to see how deep my deep V was at that time. But Facebook will do that. Every day I go on Facebook and it's like something else from like 2009 or 10 or whatever. And occasionally something I've said will pop up. Ugh. Uh, so I went through this kick of like really like diving into the theology, you know, and I was like, dude, I know stuff now. I know theology. So I'll put like this quippy statement that is sort of like a passive aggressive attack on charismatic church or something like theology is good and whatever. I don't know, whatever it was. Really not necessarily untrue. It's a true statement, but you can just feel the arrogance coming out of the screen uh, when I said that. Well, because it's me, it's me basically throwing out these, I have a chip on my shoulder at that point, right? So I'm throwing out these things. So every time these little quips pop up, I'm like, ah, oh, delete this, please, from my existence. Not because it's not true. They were true statements, but I knew and I could feel where I was at that time. I had forgotten the love I had at first. So for me, I came from a, uh, a spiritual culture environment that was really, really um, heart heavy on the side of the spectrum. So it was a lot of experiential things. It was a lot of, you know, here's a scripture out of context and then build your case around this scripture and, and just let, let God do his thing. It's like, okay, cool, cool. But you didn't actually preach from the Bible, from the Bible so I don't know what the thing he's going to do is. Uh, 
So it was really heart-heavy. And at that time, uh, that culture sort of was flirting with the God. It's always God's will to heal, right? Heard that? God, dude, God's going to heal if you have enough faith. Essentially turning God into like some sort of genie, you know, a transaction. If I do this for God, he has to do this for me. So I kind of had a little bit of that in my uh, theology, ironically. And I remember my dad getting sick and they're like, yeah, dude, you're going to pray. He's going to be healed. And I, I expected that. Um, I believe for that. It did not happen. Uh, my dad died. And I had all this circle of, you know, these people around me. And I remember if you live long enough, you'll go through these moments in life that are like theology busters. You know what I'm talking about? It's something will happen that you are convinced is not possible, whether it's good or bad. So for me, well, my dad's sick. I work for God. He's going to heal him because you couldn't possibly let something bad happen to me right? This is not in my theology. Boom, happens. Breaks my theology. So now I'm left with, so is God a liar or am I just believing something wrong about God? Is my theology broken? And so that sent me down a path of kind of a self-discovery and not deconstruction per se, but sort of reevaluating my belief system. And my problem was I swung so far the other side of the, of the pendulum. Like it went the complete opposite. So because that side had hurt me, the, the heart, you know, the spiritual, God's going to do this, you know, all, uh, all that stuff really hurt me. So forget you guys. I'm jumping over here reformed and I'm just going to bury my head in a book. And if God wants to talk to me, he's going to have to write it down. You know, <laughs> You're going to have to write it down, make an appointment, because I'm not listening to you anymore. Uh, didn't pray much, none of that stuff. It was just theology. And it was all built out of trying to, in a way, like punish that side. You know? I was using it as a weapon. Uh, so I have these quips, you know. Hey, this is why your theology is dumb, because this is what the Bible says or whatever. This is what a, uh, a book says. And I swung so far that I had indeed forgotten the love I had at first. But I didn't really see that. You know, I thought I was like um, sort of championing, you know, for the people that had been hurt by that, that sort of theological um, side of the church. Uh, but I wasn't. And thank God for the church, I will say. Because <laughs> the one thing I did do right is I didn't run from the church. Um, I had my problems with it. I had my problems with God, but I didn't run from the church because I knew no matter what, I still need people. And uh, I had become really isolated and arrogant. And, um, but I knew I needed other people. So we stayed in church. We went to a different church, obviously, but we stayed in church and we need each other. We need the head, we need the heart, and we need the church. In verse 18, you know, Paul is saying that you may, be strength, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. He could have just left that out. 
but he put that in there very intentionally. Paul's writing from prison, okay? So, so he doesn't know what's going to, he's in prison. This could be his last letter. He intentionally put that in there, comprehend with all the saints, because we need each other. And thankfully, I met someone uh, at this church and a good friend of mine, still friends to this day, and he really was the other, he had really pursued balance in his life, uh, that balance of the head and the heart, and was a real example to me, and also called me out on a lot of stuff in, in a really nice way. <laughs> uh, but I'd be like, I'm going to tweet this, bro, and it's just going to wreck people. And he's like, what's it going to do, though? Like, I'm going to get like 50 likes. That's what it's going to do. <laughs> Duh. And he's like, well, that's stupid. Okay. He's like, yeah, so, so don't waste your time on that. Why don't you just talk to someone, a human being, or read scripture or pray? But if I get, I get 50 likes, at least, man. I may gain another follower, bringing it up to 63. Okay? But he would do stuff like that. He would, just, he would call me out on stuff. And like, That's stupid. Don't do that. You're wasting your time. Uh, infuriating, but awesome. And he really pushed me back towards the center of that spectrum. And we're all wired a certain way. You know, we, we, I tend to be an analytical, you know, head guy. I want to think through things. I want to know the why. Uh, some people are very spiritual. They want to feel, they want to feel it out. They want to love on people. And uh, I, even that term, I love on people. <laughs> Yuck. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they want to do that. They want, and, and, very different, right? And we, there's a spectrum, so we're like on different parts of it. You know, I don't know if anyone's like 50-50 or, you know, all the way, but we exist somewhere in there. So we're all wired a certain way. But if we're in fellowship with the saints, we are now exposed to the other side of the spectrum. You know, so you know, you'll meet people that are wired differently from you. And if we, if we are patient enough to let that sharpen each other, feel like that's in the Bible somewhere. Iron sharpens iron. We can find that balance and, and have a, a better grasp, step farther back from the painting and see the fullness of God. But we have to do that together. Being in fellowship with the saints it does a few things for you. Number one, it exposes your blind spots. Uh, you don't see your blind spots because it's your blind spot. I spoke about this a couple of months ago um, King Uzziah, he had these blind spots because he didn't have anyone around him calling him out. Those blind spots got the best of him. When you're in community with, with uh, the church body, there's going to be people that notice your blind spots, like Jordan did for me. Hey, Nate, you're being an idiot. Let's not be an idiot. That's great advice. He saw my blind spot. Number two, it encourages us. Let's us know that we're not alone. A lot of times we can feel alone, especially in, uh, the way, you know, Earth has been the past two years. There's a lot of isolation going on. Um, and that's the trick of the enemy. He, he wants you to think that you're alone. Um, he wants you to think that you're weird, you're different, that there's no one else like you, that people are going to um, turn you away because you're different from them. It's, it's not the case. Number three, when we're in communion with the saints, it reaches the world because we work together. Uh, about a month ago, I had a surgery on my toe. <laughs> my wife's like, please don't tell this story. I have to. So I had an ingrown toenail. You guys, who, who's had one of those before? 
Oh, bro, they're the worst. They are the worst. And I'm very stubborn. So guess what I did? Nothing. So I tried. I tried to get in there and do surgery. I couldn't. It was too hard. So eventually just, all right, this is just how I live now. I, wa- I walk on one foot. Um, I'm going to wear slides uh, for the rest of my life. Even though I hate flip-flops, I hate flip-flops, man. If I get in a fight with some bad guy, how am I going to do any karate with flip-flops on? <laughs> I need to have the boots on, okay? So I don't know if you remember. If you look, I was wearing like flip-flops because I'm like, I can't, dude. I can't put a shoe on. And this went on for four months. It got worse, worse. Every, I'm talking, I don't want to get too graphic. But every day, like blood and like other, other uh, juices would be <laughs> coming out of my toe. Just a mess. And finally, I was like, I can't. T-. Dude, I was at home with no shoes on because I can't wear shoes. And Bishop is just being cute. And he's got the broom. And he's, and he's, he's doing his He-Man thing. He goes, Dana, He-Man. And he does it, and then he's like, throws the broom. And I'm just in the kitchen watching him like, a proud father, look at him. And then the broom comes, and sure enough, the handle just goes on my big toe. And I, I just, I drop to the floor, and everyone, uh, Rachel, I could hear her in the background going, oh no, Bubby, let's get out of here. Let's, time to go get in the car. And I'm... Laying on the ground, like almost crying, because it so, hurts so bad. Blood. I have a picture. If you guys want to see it, I'll show you. And I was like, you know what? I'll just make a doctor's appointment. And um, so anyways, I went to the doctor. He, he cut half the nail off. It's nuts. Uh, but I feel great now. I'm wearing shoes. It's awesome. That weird story is to illustrate how <laughs> we're all a part of the body of Christ. You've heard this? You may think that you're insignificant because you're just a toe. Well, let me tell you what. (laughs) Try walking without a toe for four months. It's the worst. Okay? It's the worst. They, like, made my back all messed up because I was all off-centered. I was taking showers like this. Stupid. (laughs) It's really really stupid. (laughs) We need each other because we're all part of the same body. Some of you are a big toe. (laughs) We need you. We need you to be healthy. We need you to trim your nail, okay? <laughs> Ephesians 4, <laughs> Ephesians 4.11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ. To experience the fullness of Christ, we need the head, the heart, and we need each other. I found this quote, really awesome quote, Corey Ten Boom. She says, when a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When he stops studying the Bible, the devil laughs. And when he stops praying, the devil shouts for joy. I found that quote, I was like, how is that possible that you're literally nailing everything I'm talking about? It's almost like, like the spirit was guiding me. <laughs> it's almost like I couldn't just do it on knowledge alone. I don't know. There's something in that. I'll do a sermon on it sometime. We need each other. All right, so what do we do? Number one, I think you, we would 
do ourselves justice to take some inventory and identify which side of the head-heart spectrum we lean towards, and then strive for balance. So if you got stoked when I said stuff about theology matters, you might be on more on the head side. Uh, if, if you were really um, you know, passionate about when I talked about my buddy and, and caring for me and loving me, you may be on the hard side. That's up to you. We're all wired a certain way. We tend to lean towards one or the other. Identify that and then strive for balance. Get around someone that's different from you. A lot of times it's someone that um, kind of annoys you, like in a good way, because they're so different. You know those people? You're like, man, I, ugh, I don't like his perspective on things, but then it kind of makes sense. That's good. Those are good people. Number two, pray. Real simple. Paul starts this whole thing off by praying. Jesus is theology, and yet he often went off alone to pray. Like Jesus prayed. And he is theology. He, he's the guy that we're praying to. And he's praying. The interesting thing about when Paul starts off this, this letter, he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And that's another thing that's easy to overlook. And he bows his knees. Um, it's about posture. Now we don't necessarily, when we pray, we don't like get on our knees and pray. But sometimes maybe you do it at home or whatever. Um, but we, what do we do? We bow our heads and we what? Close our eyes? You better be closing your eyes. <laughs> it's a posture thing, right? It's, it's not saying you have to kneel, but what if, you, what if you tried it, tried something different to connect the head and the heart together while you were praying? I think it's important to, to highlight that, that Paul mentions that. He doesn't just say, I pray. He I kneel and, and I'm going to kneel and pray for you because he's connecting those two those two sides, the head and the heart. Number three, be active in your church community. This isn't a commercial for groups, but it kind of is. We have a group wall right there. Can't miss it. Join a group. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a group. I'm a guy who is really hard to get into a group because um, I don't want to talk about feelings and stuff and all that, but I know I need it. So I am in a group. Hooray. And been doing it for a while. And I do have uh, friends. Uh, me and Matt will go to breakfast, go on mandates, and he gets me to talk about feelings and stuff, and it's super weird, but it's good for me. And I wouldn't have that if I didn't uh, engage in community. I had to go out and find that. And then serve on a team. Serving on a team is great because it makes you think of someone besides yourself. That's pretty awesome. Um, it's good to do that. It's a good exercise for us to do something that's uncomfortable and to serve other people. So, you know, the people we have in the coffee shop, commend them. It seems like a small thing, but it's great. Like, how else are you going to get your coffee? We all know how important coffee is, right? It's, I should have actually put that. Head, heart, church, coffee. The fourth <laughs> one. Serve on a team. Makes you think about someone besides yourself. It's good for you. So we're going to end a little differently today. We're not going to sing a song. There's not going to be any music or anything like that. I'm actually going to pray this verse over us the way Paul did for Ephesus. We're going to pray. We're going to close. We'll have elders still available to pray. If you want to pray with someone, talk with someone, all that stuff. If you're online, you have a prayer request, put that in the chat box. There's people ready to talk to you. But I want to pray this for you, for us. And uh, that's how we're going to close out today. Amen? All right, let's pray. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length, height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, guys.